is a tasty burger. 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 you beautiful people out there welcome back to whatever the show where i talk about whatever my name is cameron and i forgot to make an intro for this one so you're gonna have to join me sipping coffee ah marvelous how you guys doing out there doing good staying hydrated that's what i like to hear so what are we going to talk about on today's episode well i decided i'm going to continue my harry potter series at least until all the movies are done and talk about chamber of secrets today now, I'll be honest with you guys, I forgot to par- I, blah, 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 blah. I forgot to make any notes for the movie as I rewatched it, so I'm just going to have to go off of memory, so I apologize if this episode sounds a little scatterbrained, and also I'm doing this kind of last minute because I usually like to put these episodes out by uh, 10 o'clock on Saturday mornings, and right now it is 8.23 in the morning. So, this episode will probably go out a little later, but it's definitely going to go better than the last time I tried to record, because I just, I lost all confidence in the recording, I just, it sounded like a mess, so I'm going to try to redo it this morning, and try to, you know, try to make myself sound better. So, you know, without me babbling on, the fuck was that? Without me babbling on, let's talk about Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. So... Obviously, some years have passed since Sorcerer's Stone. Harry is now turning 12, and once again, just being reamed by the Dursleys. We uh, we check in, and uh, the Dursleys are... Vernon and Petunia are expecting guests. I think it's a business partner of theirs, or at least of Vernon's. And they basically... Vernon, Petunia, and Dudley are the ones entertaining them. And they basically shun Harry to his room. So when Harry goes back up to his room, he finds Dobby there. And Dobby goes on this whole thing of, you know, saying, Harry Potter must not go... Wait. <clears throat> Harry Potter must not go back to Hogwarts. Thank you. My impression is spot on. I'm available for birthday parties. <laughs> but he goes on this whole thing of, you know, Harry... Harry shouldn't go back to Hogwarts. And Harry is like, well, it's my home. I want to go back. And... Dobby just keeps trying to convince him until finally he runs out of the room, runs downstairs, and gets just outside the kitchen where he sees a cake sitting on the counter. And Dobby gets the idea to try to mess with the cake, and Harry's just like, no, don't do it. Then, you know, and then Harry's like, I could get in a lot of trouble. And Dobby's like, if it keeps you from going to Hogwarts, then I have to do it. So he levitates his cake towards uh, the Dursley's guests, and Harry tries to sneak behind it to try to catch the cake. But just as Vernon and Petunia look up, they see Harry right behind it. You know, they think he's levitating the cake, and before Harry can catch it, it lands on one of the guests and just, you know, lands all over this poor woman. So then the next day, we see Vernon installing some bars on Harry's window in a last-ditch effort to try to get him not to go to Hogwarts. Obviously, Harry's pretty bummed about that, and that night... He notices he hears, like, a car in the distance, and he sees some headlights off in the sky. So he's like, what's going on? And as the car gets closer, he finds out that inside the car is Fred, George, and Ron. And basically, they have come to save him. So Harry gets all his stuff together. They pull the bars off the window. He gets all his stuff in. Vernon tries to stop Harry from... Tries to stop Harry from leaving, but ultimately fails, falls out the window and all that, which I like, I said to myself too, when I watched rewatched that scene that like, usually they don't want to, you know, they have a problem with muggles seeing magic stuff. And technically Vernon, yes, is a muggle. Well, technically they're all, the jerseys are all muggles, but they are aware of magic stuff. So I guess in a sense, it's okay. It's always okay for the Dursleys to see any type of magic because they know it's real. Since, you know, Petunia's Harry is Harry's mom's sister, is Lily's sister. I always figure, like, I mean, well, they could obviously, Harry could, I mean, outside of Hogwarts, it's forbidden for 
underage students to do magic under the age of 17. But I always feel like it's okay in front of the Dursleys because even though they're muggles, they are aware that, you know, the magic world is real. So anyway, uh, Ron, Fred, and George take Harry to the borough, which is the Weasleys' home, which is weird because it looks way different in Chamber of Secrets than it does in the rest of the series because in Chamber of Secrets, like, there's a there's a stone wall around it. There's, like, fields and everything. But yet, when you go on to the, the rest of the series, um, I forget when's the next time you see the borough. That I'll talk about in a later episode, too. But the uh, when you see it in Chamber of Secrets, it's vastly different than uh, when you see it in later movies. Because in later movies, the borough is... Excuse me. The borough is still, like, the tall house that it is. It's still the same house. But instead of being like in the middle of fields and having a nice stone wall around it. It's just in the middle of like a, like a field field with like tall grass and everything. But again in there, you know, Harry's first introduced to their home. Um, we get, we really meet, we actually meet Molly Weasley for the first time. Like we met her in Sorcerer's Stone, but we really get to meet her as a character. And we also get to meet Arthur Weasley, for the first time we find out you know he works for the Ministry of Magic which you know plays into later movies so they said there you know they all get their Hogwarts letter including Harry because I guess Dumbledore knew that he'd be at the Weasleys and they decided to go to Diagon Alley but this time instead of Hagrid just you know holding him by the hand and taking him to Diagon Alley they decided to use flu powder which basically you stand in a fireplace say where you want to go and then just poof your way there so a bunch of them go and then when Harry goes he says Diagonelli instead of Diagon Alley which plops him just outside Diagon Alley into Nocturne Alley which is important later in the movies too there's a lot I'm gonna say a lot of stuff is important later in the movies because I know some of what happens but yeah he gets plucked just outside of Diagon Alley into Nocturne Alley. Uh, excuse me, I had to take a sip of coffee. Refresh my throat. So, as he's confronted by all these sketchy looking people, Hagrid actually finds them and kind of brings them back into the actual Diagon Alley. And that's when they meet Hermione. Hermione does her glasses repair trick again, which. I kind of wish they kept that going for the rest of the series because that's actually a nice, it's a cute little moment between Harry and Hermione. I mean, I know they don't end up together, but it's a cute little, like, friend moment. Like, I wish they would have done that in Deathly Hollows. Like, you know, he would have broken his glasses, and one of the last things before the movie ends is Hermione just, Oculus Reparo. And everybody's like, oh, that's the thing from the older movies! Oh my god! <laughs> So anyway, after they get their stuff for Hogwarts, their their second year at Hogwarts, they go back to the transition and try to board Platform 93 quarters. And the rest of the Weasleys make it through, including Ginny, because it's uh, Ginny's, Ginny's first year at Hogwarts. So they all go through, friend George go through, Ginny goes through, Molly and Arthur Weasley go through. But then when Harry and Ron try to go through the pillar, it's, you know, it's sealed. Or the yeah, the portal was sealed, and they end up crashing into it. And they're like, "All right, well, if we can't get through, you know, we can't get through. We missed the train. How the hell are we gonna get to Hogwarts?" So what they do, they take the flying car, and they drive off. Even though, which I find weird because later when they, you know, so that like they use the flying car, they almost get hit by the train. They when they get to Hogwarts, they crash into the Wampin' Willow. Ron breaks his wand in the process and you know, the car dumps them out with all their stuff and just takes off into the, the dark forest, even though in the book it's called the Forbidden Forest, but that's neither here or there. So they bring all their stuff in and as they're walking up the steps of Hogwarts they get caught by Filch. And Filch, I guess, brings them to uh, brings them to Snape. And Snape just, you know, rips them a new one for, you know, flying a magic car around they're like he was like you were seen by no less than seven models which is weird because 
initially when they take off from the train station, you only see one guy notice the flying car. I mean, I'm sure there were multiple people that knew, but you really only focus on the one guy seeing the flying car. <laughs> and even then, I like how the guy's reaction, like, he doesn't react to like, whoa, what the heck, it's a flying car. He's just like, the hell? <laughs> He's just like, huh, that's weird. But Snape uh, rips him a new one, basically. And McDonald and Dumbledore step in, and they're like, you know, we know they're in trouble, but since they're part of Gryffindor, they fall under, like, they're our problem. Sorry for awkward pauses. I'm really enjoying this toffee. So, you know, Ron's like, well, okay, we'll go get our stuff. And McDonald's like, what do you mean? Ron's like, you're going to expel us, aren't you? And basically, what McDonald does is like, no, I'm not going to expel you guys, but you will get detention. And, oh, I should back up a bit. I forgot to mention stuff about some stuff that happens in Diagon Alley. So in Diagon Alley, they go into this bookstore. I guess they get dragged into this bookstore, I think by both of the, both Molly and Arthur, because there's a famous wizard there signing books by the name of Gilderoy Lockhart. So they go all the way to the front. Gilderoy is posing for pictures and he notices Harry. So he's like, oh, the famous Harry Potter, come up here. You know, this will be good for the press. He takes a picture with him and uh, I don't remember if it's revealed there that he's a new defense against a dark arts teacher or not, but that's, yeah, whatever. So as they're leaving the bookstore, they also run into, you know, they run into Draco Malfoy. Who's basically, he's just like, oh, I, I'm still, I'm still going to be mean to you just because I'm mean. And Ginny tries to stand up for Harry and Draco's just like, hey, look, Potter, you got yourself a girlfriend. And then Lucius comes in and does his whole evil thing, which I will say, I do not like Lucius in this movie. Like, he just seems like too much of a stereotypical villain. Like, they don't... Like, he plays so much more of an important role in the later movies than he does in the... I mean, he does play a big role in this. I mean, he's the one that snakes Tom Riddle's diary into Ginny's Cauldron. But I still really don't like his character in this. Like, he just seems, like, too stereotypically evil. And I think it's delighting, too, because, especially if you notice, like, in a later scene, they, like, specifically make it so the lightning is only on his eyes and the rest of him is shadowed. Like, that's just, I don't know if, like, I know that's intentional, too, and it's just, it, I just, you know, I don't care for it. So they have a whole back and forth with Lucius. And as I mentioned, Lucius picks up a book from Ginny's Toldren and inspects it. And then you see him put it back with another black book behind it. Which is, which we find out later, is Tom Riddle's diary. So then anyway, you know, they get back to Hogwarts. Now we're, now we're back at Hogwarts after the whole thing. Now, there is a scene with the, uh, the Mandrakes, which... The Mandrakes play an important role, but the scene is not much to talk about. So there we go on. Let's just get to the nitty-gritty of this movie, shall we? So, we get to the scene where Harry's serving his detention with Gilderoy Lockhart, you know, try, you know, signing all the fan mail, and Harry hears a voice. And he's just like, did you hear that? And Lockhart's like, No. So, as Harry is leaving his classroom, because it's late, I guess, he keeps hearing the voice. And then he runs into Harry, or he runs into Ron and Hermione, because they went looking for him. And Harry hears the voice again, and he runs off with Ron and Hermione, Hermione, Hermione following him. And they come across, like, a bunch of water on the ground. They come across a message written in blood on the wall of a corridor, and they see, uh, Filch's cat, Mrs. Norris, petrified. Ah, sorry. Oh, God, I actually spilled that time. Sorry, things are going great. <laughs> but the, uh, the message on the wall is, the Chamber of Secrets has been opened. Enemies of the air beware. Which is weird, because Harry's, 
Harry just conveniently has to be standing next to the corridor when literally everyone in Hogwarts has to come down each corridor, blocking them off at the exact same time. Which I always found weird. Like, it's convenient that everybody decided to walk towards that specific part of the stool at the exact same time. So everybody's just like, oh, what's going on? And Phil's just like, all right, what's going on? Get out of my way. And he sees Mrs. Filch and sees Harry standing there and puts, tries to, you know, basically puts two and two together and is like, hey, you know, you killed my cat. And obviously he's upset. And all of a sudden Dumbledore and McDonald don't come up and they're like, you know, they know that's what happened. And they tell everyone to go back to the dorms except for Harry, Ron, and Hermione. So, yeah, everybody, they get all excused and they try to figure out what's going on and Snape actually stands up and says that, like, you know, it's not possible that Harry could have done this, but I did not see him at dinner. And Lockhart's like, oh, well, that was my doing. He was helping me sign my fan mail. <sighs> Sorry, more coffee. Oh, God, excuse me. So, then they figure out, like, something's going on and they, uh, Dumbledore tells everyone to just be cautious from now on. And, uh, you know, yada, yada, yada. There's actually, the the next thing I want to talk about is the part where they go to Harry's with the Quidditch team going to practice, but they see Slytherin out where they were going to practice. So Oliver Wood is like, you know, what's going on here? And basically the, uh, Ah, I forget, forget the guy's name, but he hands Oliver Wood the note from Snape saying like, you know, Slytherin has the right to train here today because we're trying to new Seeker. And that Seeker ends up being Draco Malfoy. And obviously there's a back and forth. Ron and Hermione happen to be nearby and they sense trouble, so they hop on over. And they notice the whole Slytherin team has new brooms because Draco's like, my father can afford the best. And Hermione's like, at least Gryffindor didn't have to buy their way in. They did it on pure talent. And Draco's like, nobody asked your opinion, you filthy little mudblood, which shocks everyone. And Ron's like, you'll pay for that. Eat slugs. So he tries to curse Ron, but as we remember, he had broken his wand and tried to tip it back together. So the spell backfires on him and Ron ends up vomiting up slugs. So they take him to Hagrid's and where they tell Hagrid that Draco would hold Hermione in mudblood and Hagrid you know reassures Hermione that like it's not a you know not a bad thing it you know explains the whole thing of like pure bloods half bloods now pure bloods are obviously people or students or people whose parents are both magical and half bloods are people who at least have one magical parent which I think Harry would technically be a pureblood because both of his parents were magical. And the reason Hermione is referred to as a mudblood is because mudbloods are people with no magical parents or both mortal parents. So, you know, there's that whole sweet moment and then we come across another... I think, isn't this where we come across another victim? Or we come across, uh... No, that's later. So, uh... What am I talking about next? Oh, yeah, the, uh... The actual Quidditch scene. So, you know, the actual Quidditch game. We did, you know, we have Draco now. His first time as a Seeker. And... During the match, we noticed, like... The bludger... This bludger go rogue and almost... Kill Harry. And... You know... They're, they go after the snitch, and Draco ends up getting injured. And while Harry is done for the snitch, a blutter just comes and breaks his arm. So, I mean, he still catches the snitch, but this bludger is still after him. So Hermione comes down, destroys the bludger, and uh, Lockhart tries to fix Harry's arm, but with the, uh, what is it spell? Brachium Mendo. And what ends up happening is he just Harry goes all noodle arm. <laughs> And I, which leads me to the uh, the next scene, the hospital scene, which I love. It starts out with Draco just laying there in the bed, just groaning, and the nurse just comes in, and nurse is like, "Oh, stop making a fuss! You can go." They're like, "Fuck you, Harry's more important." So that night, 
Harry's, you know, he's lying in bed, obviously. He's waiting for his bones to grow back. He hears the voice again and then comes across. And then, you know, Dobby visits him. And he finds out Dobby was responsible for blocking the entrance to Platform 93 quarters and was responsible for the bludger. And Dobby just keeps telling Harry, like, yeah, you know, you, sh- you should go home. Like, bad things are going to happen. And, you know, obviously people are coming, so Dobby dips. Harry pretends to be sleeping. And uh, t- a bunch of teachers bring in, you know, another student. This time it's Colin Creevy, who is a first year who, as yes, is obsessed with taking pictures of a bunch of stuff. More specifically, Harry. Now, all these students are being petrified. Um, they're only petrified because while the this thing from the Chamber of Secrets wants to kill people, uh, you can only it can only kill if you look at it directly. Which the reason all these students are being petrified because they don't see it directly. Like Mrs. Doris saw the uh, saw the basilisk through you know through re- reflection on water. And Colin saw it through the lens of his camera. So Harry finds that on. They're like, all right, so we really think Draco's behind all this because there's the whole air Slytherin thing. So they think Draco's the air of Slytherin. So they all, Harry, Ron, and Hermione brew the polyjuice potion to try to, you know, disguise themselves. Harry and Ron disguise themselves as, or they transform into Crab and Doyle so they can sneak into the Slytherin common room. And Hermione tries to tries to transform into a Slytherin, but I guess she got cat hair instead, so she got stuck in the stall. So, Harry, Ron, as Trapper Doyle, go into the common room, or Slytherin common room with Draco and find out he's not responsible. They basically, they find out he's not responsible. So, okay, uh, next scene. The, uh, next scene I want to talk about. Sorry, I'm jumping all over the place. But, there's the, uh, the dueling scene. Which, obviously, it ends up with Harry and Draco pitted against each other. God, excuse me. There's the uh, scene where Draco, you know, Draco casts a spell to summon a snake. And I guess the snake slithers around and the target's uh, Justin Fletchley. And all of a sudden we hear Harry speak Parseltongue. Which, technically, I guess we first saw him do it in... Uh, Sorcerer Stone, but there wasn't the whole like there wasn't the whole thing, I guess. But you know, he speaks Parseltongue to the snake, and then everybody, you know, he, to him he was telling the snake not to attack Justin, but to everyone else it looks like he he was telling the snake to attack Justin. So Harry and Ron confront him, and Harry's he's like, "Well, how can I speak the language without knowing I can?" And it actually makes a reference to Sorcerer Stone when you let the python out of the zoo. Be uh, which they reveal that like the heir of Slytherin, uh, Salazar Slytherin, or the founder of Slytherin House, Salazar Slytherin, was also a parcel mouth. So it's very likely that like now everybody thinks Harry is the heir of Slytherin. There's uh, uh, one. So then. Obviously, we keep going. You know, Harry goes off on his own and finds Justin Fletchley. To which, you know, Filch, I guess, catches you know, catches him there. Go gets McGonagall, and McGonagall's like, you know, all right, I'm gonna take you to Dumbledore. And then he goes into Dumbledore's office, beats Fox for the first time. Fox is uh, Dumbledore's phoenix. And as he's talking with Dumbledore, he finds out that Dumbledore actually doesn't think Harry is responsible. So. Harry and Ron go off. They find a bunch of water somewhere, and they find out that the uh, the girls' bathroom, haunted by Moni Myrtle, is flooding again. And so they go into the bathroom, and Moni Myrtle tells them that somebody threw a book at her. So they find the book, which turns out to be Tom Riddle's diary. So then Harry like kind of experiments experiments with it. He writes in it, and he's like, and he's like, you know, my name is Harry Potter. And then the book writes back, Hello, Harry Potter. My name is Tom Riddle. And he tries to figure out what happened with the Chamber of Secrets because 
you know, they find out that the Chamber of Secrets had only been opened, had been opened again, had first been opened 50 years prior. So Harry tries to find out and he's like, oh, you know, do you know anything about the Chamber of Secrets? Can you tell me? And Tom Riddle replies, no, but I can show you. So Harry gets sucked into the book, starts back in time, back in time 50 years ago. And basically he follows past Tom Riddle around where Tom Riddle frame tries, you know, just confront Hagrid, make it, make it look like Hagrid is responsible for the monster that's doing all these attacks, that's petrifying all these students. So then later, they confront Hagrid about it, and basically, you know, they find out he's not responsible, but while they're talking with him, uh, there's a knock on Hagrid's door, so they hide in the, in the uh, invisibility cloak, and it's Dumbledore and Cornelius Fudge, who works for the Ministry of Magic, that comes through the door and basically they think the same thing they think Hagrid and his his monster the spider Aragog is responsible for all these attacks so they're like alright you know we're sorry to have to do this but you're gonna have to come to Azkaban and while they're having this whole back and forth Lucius actually stops by and he's like hey I have something for Dumbledore I guess he talked with the governors at the Ministry of Magic and it's like yeah with all this stuff going on we want you, Dumbledore, to step aside. So, obviously, Harry and Ron are all worried. You know, Dumbledore stepping aside, Hagrid didn't, you know, brought to Azkaban. But, you know, clever guy that Hagrid is, before he walks out, he does the whole thing where he's like, if anybody were looking for anything, all they would need to do would be to follow the spiders. So, that's what Harry and Ron end up doing. They go into the dark forest following the spiders. And that's where they meet Aragog, and Aragog basically tells them that, you know, he's not responsible, but the thing responsible is something that spiders fear. You know, before threatening their lives and threatening to have all his spider, his spider minions eat Harry and Ron, and Fane. But they're saved by the flying car from earlier, which, you know, saves them, brings them... <laughs> brings them out of the dark forest and then just dips back inside. So, all right. Well, I'm running a little bit short of time here, so I'm going to take a quick break, and then we will continue with this discussion on Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. And we're back. So, where should we start now? Alright, let's start with the fact that, uh, so, the Gryffindor Quidditch team is getting ready to take on Hufflepuff, but they're stopped by Professor McGonagall telling them that the match is cancelled. So they tell everyone else to go, but McGonagall's like, Harry, you know, we need to find Weasley because you two, there's something you two need to see. So they take him into the infirmary and find out that the next student that has been petrified was Hermione. Now, Hermione was only petrified because she saw the the basilisk through a mirror. And so obviously they're all upset about it because they're like, all right, well, now it's our best friend that's, you know, it's our best friend that's been petrified. So we need to actually do something. So they do, you know, all the stuff to try to help and they actually find out that Her- or Hermione kept a uh, had a note stuffed in her pocket so Harry's like oh what's this and that's when they learn about the basilisk and they learn why people are only being petrified instead of killed by this thing because people aren't looking at it directly uh, if they looked at the basilisk directly then they would have been killed which they hear uh, as they're doing this they hear over the school's intercoms that or do they have intercoms, or is it just magic speakers? But anyway, they hear that, like, you know, all the students have to return to their dorms because all the teachers were like, you know, we're going to put these rules in because of these, all these, you know, petrifications. All right, all the students have to be in dorms by a certain time. So they made that announcement, and then they also hear, you know, teachers to the third floor corridor or something like that. And so Harry and Ron go and investigate, and they kind of eavesdrop on all these teachers seen uh, another message 
I think it says her skeleton will lie in the chamber forever. And so they're all, they're all just talking. Gildor is just like, you know, it's just, you know, Gildor shows up late and he's like, oh, you know, what I miss? And then Snape is like, oh, well, you know, you talked about women, like, now's your chance. And they tell, they reveal to Gildor that a girl has been taken into the Chamber of Secrets. So then <laughs> McDonald goes just like, oh, well, you are a legend after all, so why don't you go deal with this? And, go, and Lockhart's just basically like, all right, I'll, uh, I'll go do my things. And then walks off. And as he walks off, uh, who is it, Madam Sprout? Turns to McGonagall and is like, who was taken into the chamber? And McGonagall pauses for a second and says, Ginny Weasley. So as they walk off and, yeah, Harry and Ron are all, you know, standing there. Ron's obviously shocked. Because Harry's just, or Ron's just like, that's my sister that was taken. So they go to Lockhart's, uh, they go to Lockhart's classroom to try to, you know, get information out of him and when they find him he's packing his stuff and they find out that basically Lockhart is a fake that you know faked all the stuff all the adventures he wrote in his books because he's gifted with memory charms and he basically <clears throat> he wrote books, books about these adventures and then when the actual wizards who did these adventures confronted him he cast a memory charm so that they wouldn't remember anything so they, uh, Harry and Ron, you know, threaten him into coming with him to, you know, go into the Chamber of Secrets. And they find out. When they go into the Chamber of Secrets, or when they go into the, the girls' bathroom, which has the entrance to the Chamber of Secrets, they find out that, you know, the one of the students that the Basilisk killed was a girl, and that girl was Moni Myrtle. And Moni Myrtle kind of reveals to them where the entrance is. It's like by a sink, and they notice the sink has a uh, snake on the side of the faucet. And the, uh... So, Harry does his parcel done thing, opens the entrance. They see you to the entrance. They go in they, this big room where there's a giant snake skin, and uh, Lockhart fights fainting just so he can steal Ron's wand and it's just like you know your adventure ends here ha 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 and then he's just like you know what I'm gonna wipe your memories so that you don't remember any of this and I remain the hero but as we remember before he still he took Ron's wand which is broken and taped so he tries to cast Obliviate on Harry and Ron but it backfires you know shooting him against the wall not oh god excuse me shooting him against the wall and obviously wiping Lockhart's memory but him hitting the wall caused a bunch of rocks to collapse so now Ron is trapped towards the entrance with Lockhart who now hasn't got a clue who he is so Harry goes on into the chamber through a door that he has to use Parseltown again for he goes into the chamber finds Ginny there and that's where he meets Tom Riddle and at first he thinks Tom Riddle's gonna help him, but then he finds out that Tom Riddle's behind everything. He's the one who made who made Ginny open the Chamber of Secrets. He's the one who made Ginny write all the messages on the walls. And the reason for that is because Tom Riddle was actually a form of Voldemort. Well, he's actually like Voldemort in another form. Because as we remember from the last one, Voldemort at this point has no physical form. So he has to try to do things through, you know, through other means. <sighs> so, Tom Riddle ends up summoning the Basilisk to try to hunt Harry, which I guess one thing I don't get, because obviously it's revealed that if you look at the Basilisk directly in the eyes, it could kill you. But looking at it indirectly would petrify you. Which Harry looks directly at this thing, but it's just he's fine. He's he's perfectly fine. Maybe just because he's badass, so I don't know. But what uh you know, there's a whole fight ensues and uh earlier while Harry and Tom Riddle were talking, Fox flies in and brings Harry a hat, 
which you think nothing of, but as Harrion is running from this basilisk, all of a sudden a sword appears in the hat, and Harry just you know pulls it out and climbs up on this giant face to try to fight the basilisk. And what he does, he ends up stabbing the basilisk through the top of the head. But as he pulls the sword out, one of the fans of the basilisk gets stuck in his arm. And so as he's, you know, he defeats the basilisk is dead. He goes back down to find Ginny, and Ginny's, you know, just minutes from dying. And because of the basilisk venom, Harry also is too. So Harry has an idea. He takes the book in the basilisk vein, opens it up and stabs it, which causes Tom Riddle to basically disintegrate. Which lifts the uh, lifts the curse on Ginny, and Ginny's completely fine now. But Harry's just like, you know what? You know, I'm. I know I'm gonna die, but yeah, you get yourself out. You be safe. The fox then comes back, and this is another thing I want to mention because I mentioned in the last episode about the CGI and Sorcerer's Stone how I thought it wasn't great. I mean, there's like one or two moments where it was it was really good, but for the most part, the CGI was not that great. The CGI in Chamber of Secrets is actually, like, a lot better than the last one. Like, but that's something I'll talk about after I finish the plot. But I just want to say there's a part where Phoenix pops up between Harry and Ginny, and it just, it kind of looks messy. But anyway, Fox comes up, and he ends up, you know, crying some tears onto Harry's wound because Phoenix tears have healing powers. So Harry's healed. You know, they... And then Fox brings all of them out because Phoenixes are, I guess, extremely strong and they can carry immense loads. They carry everybody out, including Lockhart, you know, Lockhart, Ron, Harry, and Ginny. And then they go into Dumbledore's office where, you know, Dumbledore's like, even though you broke all these cool rules, we're going to award you, you know, for special services to the school. And he sends Ron off with release letters, release papers to Azkaban so they can free Hagrid. And Harry has this whole talk with Dumbledore where he's like, well, the Sorting Hat said I should have been in Slytherin, so maybe I should have been in Slytherin. And Dumbledore's like, well, really? Well, look closely at that sword you used and notices that on the sword it says Godric Gryffindor. And Dumbledore's like, yeah, only a true Gryffindor would be able to pull that sword out of the hat. But, uh, then uh, Lucius actually comes in and he's like, oh, so you are back, Dumbledore. And basically there's a whole back and forth and there's the <laughs> there's the part where Lucius is like, let's hope that Harry Potter will always be there to save the day. And Harry's like, don't worry. I will. That's another thing I want to say about this movie. I feel like Harry in this one tries a little too hard to be badass. Maybe it's the puberty. <laughs> I don't know. But I think he tries a little too hard in this one to try to be badass and everything. But, um, what else? Obviously, Dobby's with him, so Lucy gets all pissed off. And he goes to leave with Dobby. He, uh, he kicks Dobby out of Dumbledore's office, basically. And Harry then asks Dumbledore if he can borrow the, the diary that... Dumbledore so has on his desk so he charts Lucius down and he hands the diary to Lucius and he's like yeah I know you snuck this into Ginny's cauldron and I know you're mainly responsible for this so Lucius is like well you have nothing to prove it so fuck you and then hands the book to Dobby and as Lucius is walking off he's calling Dobby to him and Harry turns to Dobby and is like open it so Dobby opens it and there's a sock and then my favorite scene my favorite scene in this whole movie is you know Dobby being realizing he's free now cause he sees the sock and he's like master has given Dobby a sock and Lucy's like what I didn't get and then he sees the sock master has presented Dobby with clothes Dobby is free and Harry lifts up his pant leg to show Lucy he's like hey I put the sock there you know you and Lucius obviously is pissed about this and is going to threaten Harry and Dobby steps in front of Harry and Harry's just like you shall not harm Harry Potter now here's the thing that 
a lot of Harry Potter fans will actually pay attention to and they'll actually catch. There's a, there's a curse, a certain curse that Lucius is about to use on Harry here. And you notice he says, Avada. I mean, he says it very, like, very throaty. He's like, Avada. But he's, he's about to use Avada Kedavra. You know, the deadly curse. Which we don't learn about until later movies, but I noticed that too. And I was just like, as soon as he pulled that, I was just like, huh, that's, that's, that's the thing. That's the thing later in the movie. Or later in the movie. Later in the movies. But before Lucius can do this, Dobby just kind of wrecks his shit and sends him flying back. And this is a... This is another moment why I hate Lucius as a character in this. There's a... He's just like... He's talking to Harry and he's like, Both your poor parents were fools. Mark my words, Potter. You shall be the same sticky end. I don't know, just uh, th- use it, trying to use a threatening voice to say sticky end just doesn't doesn't sit well. But uh There are yeah, we do it in that scene, obviously, you know. It's it's happy ending time because it's still Chris Columbus who directed this this godforsaken movie. Who if you don't know who Chris Columbus is, I mentioned him in the last episode, but Basically, he directed Search for Stone and Chamber of Secrets, and he was also responsible for two of the first two Home Alone movies. But, you know, there's a happy ending. Dumbledore says, you know, all the students who are petrified are actually all right now. And because of everything, all exams have been canceled, which this plays into the the, the too kid-friendly thing that I have a problem with from the, the last from the last movie. Or he's like, all exams have been canceled, and every other student is cheering, and then you see Hermione be like, oh, man. Like, ha, ha, because she's brainy, and she actually likes schoolwork. Ha, 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 ha. So there's all that, and then it gets quiet again, because Hagrid comes in, and he's like, oh, you know, I'm glad to be back. And he thanks Harry, Ron, and Hermione for freeing him, and everybody claps for him. You know, happy ending. Now, now that we've covered the whole movie, overall, how do I feel about it? Well, I liked it better than Sorcerer's Stone, at least. Like, if I had to put it in a list, if I had to put it in a list, Sorcerer's Stone for me is still bottom, because it's just, it's not as great as I remember it. But, I will say, Chamber of Secrets is definitely, you know, higher up on that list now. It's definitely higher than the Sorcerer's Stone. Just because I feel like just in the last episode I mentioned about Sorcerer's Stone where I had a problem with all the like the kid friendly, you know, the cater to a younger audience and the the friendship conquers conquers all happy ending bullshit. I feel like there wasn't as much of that in Chamber of Secrets. Like God, excuse me. They definitely did a lot better than they did with the last movie. Like, it's only... I think this one only came out a year later. Let me... Sorry, let me doodle it quick, because I completely forgot what... <clears throat> sorry. What uh, what year Chamber of Secrets came out. So Cham- Chamber of Secrets came out in 2002. And... Sorcerer Stone came out in 2001. So it was only a year later, but I feel like they did there's a lot better, like they figured out what works better for the movie especially with the CGI and the the angles and the <clears throat> and the uh, just the overall atmosphere of it, like there is a little bit of a darker tone like you can tell there's a little bit of a darker tone but it's also it's just a lot better a lot better handled than Sorcerer's Stone Sorcerer's Stone feels too you know, feels too chipper to me, honestly. Whereas Chamber of Secrets is like, you know, we're getting a little more serious. The kids are growing up a little more. They've all gone through puberty basically at this point, except for Neville, which, you know, Neville, Neville gets his revenge later. We'll, we'll just say that. But it's obviously, you know, all the kids have grown up a little, so the movies have to be... And that's what I... That's what I noticed too, especially, I mean, I'll talk about this as I go through the movies, but 
you notice that they get more more and more serious as the movies go on because they kind of they kind of grow up with you know with the students they grow up with like Harry and Ron Hermione and the rest of them so obviously as they get older the stuff is starting starts to get more serious but uh overall I still I still do like Chamber of Secrets I definitely like it more than Sorcerer's so that's Chamber of Secrets is definitely one I'll pick up randomly and if you're anything like me especially when I was a kid I loved uh, the DVDs of it that had like a second disc where it had a bunch of games and interactive stuff on it I lived for all the interactive stuff especially the Harry Potter stuff because you could do they had like a virtual thing where you go through the forbidden forest and you had to hit certain directions on the remote to go a certain way and the one I remember the one that used to freak me out a little is there's the on the DVD of Chamber of Secrets there's the Chamber Challenge which yeah the Chamber Challenge which basically you walked through Hogwarts Halls and you get stopped like what is it a few times by Filch, Snape and Moni Myrtle and you answer questions about the movie so then you find you do this all the way to the girls bathroom you go into the chamber entrance and you get to the, the snake door and the last quiz you have to do is answer you know which phrase Harry used to open the door so then you answer that and you actually get to virtually uh, virtually go through the chamber of secrets and you have two options to escape that you either turn around and go back out the entrance or you go all the way through to the face which the narrator is like you did it you found your way out at least I think this is the way out and then it plays a bunch of scenes of the basilisk and it's implied that you get you know you get snacked on well yeah it's really and there's also in that same DVD you can also tour uh, Died in Alley it's basically just a virtual tour where you know you have actors going around and acting like you know they're in Died on Alley and they basically you know yeah you just virtually tour uh, Died on Alley um do I still have it up I want to go over some uh book differences Chamber of Secrets movie book movie differences so let's go over this so I got a list here uh I don't know do I want to do from screen rant I don't really like screen rant uh no go back let's go with bustle.com because why not so what do we got here um all right so the first one we got here is in the book fred and george have to get harry's trunk out of the cupboard under the stairs but in the film the trunk is conveniently right next to harry i guess because you know they wouldn't want to film that for extra time or they just forgot about it but yeah in the book instead of harry just having his trunk right there and thrown into the car they actually had to sneak into the house and get it from the cupboard under the stairs uh, this one is actually interesting we never get to see the Weasley sons denome the garden at the borough now yeah in the movie they never denome the garden I guess in the book they do but in just entrance <clears throat> excuse me sorry interestingly enough in the uh, the PS1 game because they made a there is a video game adaptation of Chamber of Secrets on the original PlayStation, which I had. And the whole Dino the Garden thing, they actually imply they actually uh, implied into it, or they actually applied to it as like a mini game. So yeah, there is a short mini game where you Dino the Garden. Uh, what else here? In the film, Hermione fixes Harry's glasses with a spell and died on Alley, but in the book, Mr. Weasley repairs the glasses. Okay, sure. In the film, Harry falls out of the flying Ford Anglia and hangs onto the door, but in the book, that never happens. So yeah, I guess the whole scene where they're flying next to the train and Harry almost falls out and dies, I guess that never happens in the book. As with the rest of the series, Peeves is nowhere to be seen or heard. As I mentioned in the last episode, there's there's supposed to be a character in the movie called Peeves, which is kind of a prankster, like a mischievous type of ghost. But the reason he, he was never in the first movie because he was actually supposed to be but during filming the actor who played Peeves kept making all the extras laugh I guess 
and they couldn't get through the movie, so they ended up cutting his character. Which is going to be kind of a slap in the face to him. Just like, yeah, you're too funny. You need to leave. Once again, there's no death day party. Okay, whatever. In the film, we're, we're not told that Filch is a squib. Now, if I remember from when I looked it up, a squib is basically... Uh, hold on, I'm going to relook it up so I don't sound like a complete idiot. A squib, also known as a wizardborn, is a non-magical person who is born to at least one magical parent. Okay, so yeah, there's that. Basically, uh, Phyllis was born to at least one magical parent, but his powers, you know, come later on. In the book, Fred and George try to save Harry from the bludger, not Hermione. So I guess, yeah, in the book, Fred and George are the one that save Harry from the bludger instead of Hermione. Uh, in the book, Professor Binns tells the class about the Chamber of Secrets, but in the film, Professor McGonagall tells the haunting tale. I actually kind of prefer that because I actually love McGonagall more than anybody else in this entire world. And there's another Hipper Locker. So, I guess, yeah, I haven't covered that. That's, I guess, all I got to say about Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I, I'm really enjoying making this Harry Potter series, and I'm hoping you're enjoying it as well. Um, I have, I'll, pro- I'll put a link in the description of this episode if you want to send me a voice message through Anchor to, you know, give me your opinions on any Harry Potter movies or what you thought of this episode. Uh, but if you're looking for somewhere else to give me opinions, I also have uh, Instagram, SuperCam64. I have Twitter, SuperCam64. Um, if you're on TikTok, I also have TikTok, also SuperCam64. And while you're there, you can also <laughs> give me your opinion on my windshield one because that has gained a lot of traction recently. But that's neither here or there. Yeah, so Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Um, and hey, if you feel like it, I also have YouTube, SuperTM64. That has nothing to do with the podcast. I might start doing video podcasts as well as I record these, but we'll see. But for right now, on my YouTube, it's just silly videos. So yeah, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube. And if you feel up to it, I also have a Facebook page for this podcast. It's called, the Facebook page itself is called Whatever, colon, a Super Camp 64 podcast. And on there, I post, like, updates and stuff. Like, I'll, I'll ask, I'll do polls, I'll post updates. I'll post whenever a new episode comes out. But yeah, there's all my social medias. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. And, you know, as always, stay classy, people. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye, have a great time.